so good to have you with us. I want you to take your Bibles, take the book that you live by and die by, Deuteronomy. Turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Somebody got it. Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy, if you're from the country. Deuteronomy, the way it's written. Deuteronomy chapter 30. We're going to talk tonight uh, about choices, living and dying by the choices I've made. Now, if, you, if you're a country music fan, you recognize that. Song written, I've made choices since the day I was born, living and dying by the choices I've made. We're going to talk about choices tonight. And I want you to see what the scripture says about making choices that bring us into life. And that's why you're here tonight. That's why we're trying to follow Jesus is because we're looking for life. Nobody comes to Jesus looking for a worse life. You come to Jesus looking for abundant life. And uh, then he gives us his word, gives us the keys, and we begin to find a better life as we begin to make certain choices. Now, I want you to look with me. This is, the, this is one of the premier passages in Scripture where God Almighty is starting out with his people. And he says, now, before you start your life with me, I want to say something to you. And so he, he sort of has a set down with them. And he, he did this to the children of Israel. Of course, he does it to you and I because we're the new Israel and the new covenant. And he, he said, here's what he says. I'm going to make a deal with you. And he's made deals with people. It's called covenants. And he said, here's the deal I'm going to make with you. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be good to you. I'm going to be honest with you. But here's the deal. And the deal is found in two verses in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. The Bible says this, verse 19 of Deuteronomy 30. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. Just freeze right there. Who's the only person who can do that? Who's the only one that can call heaven and earth as a witness? The one who owns them. Against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. What did he say right there? He said, heaven and earth is my witness before you. I've set life in front of you and I've given you an opportunity to be blessed. But also in front of you is death and death doesn't necessarily mean dying physically. It means a terrible life and cursing, which is trouble. He said, well, why, why would the living God create us and put life and death in front of us? It's the only way you can find out who loves you. My wife can walk off tomorrow. I don't want her there if she don't want to be there. I got to give her a choice to know that she loves me. You understand this. God created people, gave them a free will. You can obey or disobey. You can follow or not follow. He gave us life and death. It's right there in front of us. Blessing and cursing. But now watch the Father's heart here. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. You hear that? He says, I've got to let you have a choice. I've got to let you have a great life and a great eternity. I've got to let you have a miserable, painful life. I've got to let you have a choice because I gave you free will. But come on, guys, choose life. You hear the Father's heart, choose life. When I threw my 16-year-old son the car keys, truck keys, the first time, I told him, now, boy, get drunk and raise hell and tear it up. No. I said, be careful. Be careful. That's what old people say all the time. Be careful. But I had to give him a choice to go out and get drunk and crash it. It's called freedom. Guess what I wanted him to do? I want him to be safe and be careful and enjoy himself. Come home alive to his daddy again. You hear the heart of God here? I've got to give you a choice, but I want you to choose life. I'm pulling for you, but I've got to give you a choice. And everybody gets a choice. Choose life. Let's read the rest of it. Uh, that you and your descendants may live. How many of you know my decisions affect my children and affect my grandchildren? All right, verse 20. That you may love the Lord your God, obey his voice, cling to him. He is your life. 
the length of your days that you may dwell in the land. Now you got to understand where they're at to understand that dwell in the land. He broke them out of slavery, brought them to a difficult place. Do you remember where he was taking them to? It was called the promised land, which is not heaven. It's a picture of the greatest life you can have. He said, listen, I'm going to give you a choice. Choose life so it can go well with you and you can have the best life possible and get everything I've planned for you. This is the covenant he makes with people. And you get to, you get to make the decision here. And uh, I want you to look at something in this thing. I get to make a decision. Now I want you to notice who all is in those two verses right there. Do you notice there's a circle right there? Who's the only two people in that circle? Me and my creator. Guess what you don't see in that circle in those verses? You don't see anybody else in there, do you? My mama's not in there. My daddy's not in there. That group of people's not in there. My boss is not in there. The neighborhood kids are not in there. Guess who else is not in there? Not even the devil's in there. You understand what he's saying here? This is between me and you, Doc. In our nation, we have become, we have mastered one thing in this nation. I'm going to blame somebody. I'm not going to accept responsibility. My mama made me wear red bloomers when I was a kid, and that's, that's why I'm drunk. You know, my, my daddy, and I understand bad things happen. I understand that. Who's the only two people in that verse right there? God said, this between me and you. I'm going to give you a chance to have a life cling to me. And I want you to notice, even believers have gotten sort of goofy. We love to blame the devil for stuff. Not even he got into those verses. Not even the devil in hell can stop God from being good to you and blessing you if you choose life. I love this right here. You know what this means? I'm not a victim. I'll never be a victim. God Almighty is greater than anything going on. That means I'll never be a victim. I can choose life and the big guy will get me over the top of anything in front of me. Not even the devil can victimize me. My Here it is. My decisions chart my life, my decisions alone. This is good news right here. I think most Americans get up every morning looking for somebody to put it off on. <laughs> Praise God, this puts it square back in my hands where they belong. And tell me in that, those two verses, what do you see there? If I have a great life and I have life, what does it fight, rise and fall on? Whether the father's having a good day or not, my, what do you say? Choose. My choices dictate my life. Oh, you can back me up a little bit. You can hurt me. But if I keep making the right choices, I will shine in life. The king will make sure he's to the guy. He said, who gave this to me? Who set this before me? I've given you the opportunity to live. Make the right choices. I'll make sure that you get there. This is a wonderful. I'm going to tell you something. We, we got to get. This is the foundational truth of following Jesus. My choices determine my future. I want you to look with me in the book of Matthew chapter nine, where uh, Jesus speaks about my choices. Matthew chapter nine. Now dear ones, we, even preachers and theologians are boogered. You know what boogered up means, don't you? They've gotten away from the Bible. I'm going to tell you, we better stick with the Bible. In my 40 years of doing this, I've watched leaders in the American church turn away from the Bible. We need a back to the Bible broadcast somewhere. We need to get back to this book and to the, listen to the simple teachings of this book. I've got a degree in religion, been doing it 40 years. I hear some people talk and they confuse me like a termite and a yo-yo. Listen to me. The Bible said, I'm afraid that Satan who deceived Eve will take you away from the simplicity that is in Jesus. 
People say you can't understand the Bible. All right, look, all right, look right here. Which part of thou shalt not steal do you not get? This book's not hard to understand. Now, Jesus went to learn one of the greatest lessons, and he did this over and over. One of the truths of life in Matthew chapter uh, 9. There was a guy who needed something. That's all of us. Said. Everybody needs something. Verse 27, Jesus departed from there. Two blind men followed him, crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. Son of David means we know you're the son of God. They knew that. He came into the house. The blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, watch what Jesus said to them. You think I can do this? Why did he say that? Why, why didn't he just do something? Isn't he good? What's this about you having to believe that I can do this? What does that tell me? What's this verse? And many others, what does this tell me? My faith's got to have something to do with it. He said, do you believe that I can do this? There was Listen to me, the choices, religion has taught you that the choices are between good and bad. And if you choose good, you'll have, a, well, naturally we should reject the bad. No, those are not the choices. The choices in this kingdom are between faith and unbelief. They're between choosing to trust God, choosing to believe him and going, I don't think that can happen. Those are the decisions that make our lives not good and bad, although you probably ought to avoid the bad. Let's look at this. Jesus said, do you believe I'm able to do this to you? Verse 28. They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and said, now let's read these words carefully. Verse 29. According to the will of God, let it be to you. Is that what it says? That is not what it says. They didn't get healed because it was God's will. According to what? Your faith. According to your faith, let it be unto you. What if Jesus was the same yesterday, today, and forever? What if the Bible was the same? What if he dealt with people the same way? And, and of course, the Bible said they were healed that moment. So that tells me that God is good. He's willing to help. He gave them an opportunity to live. But tell me what they had to do. They had to make a choice. What was their choice? I believe in you. Not just that you exist. The devil believes in God. But I believe you're going to do this for me. That's called faith. And I want you to see this verse. This is a precursor over all of our lives of walking with the king. And it's simply this. Tell me what dictates my life according to verse 29. Whether I was born in the right family or whether I got lucky or whether God's smiling on me. What dictates my life? Be it unto you according to... You telling me my life's the direct, the direct result of my own faith, of my own choosing to believe God? All through the New Testament. All through the New Testament. Let me just quote to you. We may look at it later. Hebrews eleven six 6 says this. Without faith... It is impossible to please God because if you come to him, he who comes to God must believe that he is and he's a dictator. No. Destroyer? No. Rewarder of those who diligently go after him. And these guys chased him and they went after him. Of course, he blessed them. It was according to their faith. Listen, I always have a choice. Every moment of my life, from the first moment I wake up every morning, I have a choice to start believing God or living by what I see around me. I've got a choice to believe this book and believe what he's promised and believe who he says he is and believe what he said he'd do for me or I can just live by how I feel. And how's that doing us? All right, Caitlin sang a great song there just a little bit ago, that second song they say. I will sing of your goodness every morning. What about rainy days? What about when, things, when you don't feel good? You get old, you get creaky and you stove up. Somebody's mad at you. You got a hard meeting today. You gonna sing of his goodness then? Are you gonna make a choice to choose life that moment? Listen, the way you wake up in the mornings dictates your day. 
I think the first thing you do before you get out of that bed determines your day. I never get out of that bed until I've made up my mind. It's not when I retire. It's not when the kids grow up. This is the day the Lord has made. And by his grace, I'm going to enjoy and be glad in it. I never get out of bed until I say, this is going to be the greatest day of my life. And, and I got up this morning, I thought, praise God, what a great day. It's going to be warm today. And I got diet root beer in the refrigerator. I get diet root beer today. We need to go back to getting excited about the simple things in life and the goodness of God. But listen, if you wake up and you, oh, I'm late, I'm late, I'm crabby, I'm mad. My, I, I shouldn't have gone to that Mexican restaurant last night. It's terrible. The kids are fussing. You're choosing death. And you say, why is my day like this? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Your day is like it is because I set before you life and death is your choice. And you get to choose faith or you get to choose death every day. And this is the great, I love Matthew 9 where the scripture says, I have a choice all the time. Now, I want to talk to you about, about believing your way into the best. Now, do you do understand, you, you got to get this. Our Heavenly Father painted a picture of walking with him in the Old Testament. You understand that being in bondage to Pharaoh and being in servitude is a picture of being lost and being a child of the devil and under his control. You do understand that, don't you? Okay, that's what it is. It's lost and under Satan's control. He broke them out. Moses came as a type of Christ and broke them out. How did he get them out of Satan's bondage? He had to take them through something called the Red Sea. They had to walk through the Red Sea, which is a picture of what? Coming through the blood of Jesus to a new life. And then they, but then they went through a hard place. They went through what's called a wilderness place. They struggled. They suffered. That is a picture of, of they're God's children, but that's not God's best. It's not enough to be his child. I want his best. He said, I bring you out that I might bring you in to a place called the promised land. And he said this, it's a land flowing with, somebody remember, flowing with milk and honey. I don't live somewhere where there's milk and honey running all over the place. Sticky and nasty. You know, it don't mean literal milk and honey. What's milk and, and honey always in the Bible? What's milk? Not drink your milk because you'll be strong and honey is the sweetest substance known to man. I'm going to bring you to a life of strength and sweetness. And you'll live in houses you didn't build. You'll eat from vineyards you didn't plant. This will be the greatest life possible. But they were God's children, but they were not in the promised land. They weren't, they weren't experiencing God's best for them. And they had to make a decision. Do I... I'm a child of God. I came out of bondage, but do I go for his best or do I just die right here, a child of God, but not experiencing his best? And many of them made the decision to stop before they got in. Out of the 12 tribes, two and a half decided to stop right at the edge of the promised land. They camped right there and said, we are content to live here. They could look in and see it. How tragic. How many believers do I know that watch other people blessed by God and cheer for them and say, I'm just happy to go to heaven. That's a, if you're young, it's a long way to heaven. 40 miserable years is a long time, doc. Not to mention horny head going to be hammering on your head the whole way. We want the best. And uh, let me tell you what I, I want to, before I can tell you how to get to the best, <clears throat> let me tell you what the best is. Do, you, do we even know what normal Christianity is? If I were to say to somebody is just clueless, I would say, do you want to follow Jesus, be a child of God? And they said, what's that mean? I mean, they're clueless. What, what would you tell them? Well, you go to church on Sundays and they take your money and this old guy hollers at you and you should do it. A lot of fun. 
What is, what is normal? I promise you what's average ain't, ain't normal today. Where would you go to find what Jesus really intended for your life to be? Now listen, you know, the, the, I call it the full converse of the Bible. Jesus said, I can't, Satan came to destroy you, steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have an abundant life. What is that abundant life? How would you describe it? A lot of money or, you know, Solomon's supposed to be the world's wisest man. He had 700 wives. I don't know how those two things can go together. <laughs> Trying to love two women is like a ball and chain. <laughs> what would you call an abundant life? We don't even know what normal is anymore. So if you don't know what normal is, you'll settle for abnormals. Anybody remember that? We have settled for such a pathetic level of living Jesus died to bring you into abundant life. But it don't fall on you like a ripe cherry. I've set before you life. You've got to make some decisions to get there. You've got to choose it. Let me give you what the Bible calls normal or, or the, the abundant overcoming, whatever you want to call it. Some people call it the spirit blessed life. Somebody call it, some people call it the wonderful life, the fruitful life. I just call it what we was born to be. It's the best life. I'm going to give you six words that describe and uh, if, if you have these six things in your life, I, I don't care what else you don't have, you got a life. You got the greatest life possible. It always begins with the word faith. There was to, you can't come to Jesus till you start with faith. You, you start by putting your faith in God. I can't see him. I, I don't know where he's at. I know where his presence is, but I believe in him because he's revealed himself to my heart. I've heard his word. I believe Jesus is real. And I put my faith in Jesus, not just to believe in him, not just for my salvation. I put my faith in him to be my everything and to, and to be my everything I need in life, everything I want in life. And you begin with, it always begins with faith. You, you can't have anything else in life till you start with faith. Because it always begins with, the first thing you ever said was follow me. Is that not the greatest act of faith you ever made? You go quit trusting in yourself and trusting in everything else and trust Jesus. Everything always begins with faith. And uh, let, let me talk to you about faith for just a minute. There was, you have a choice every moment of your life to choose faith. You can walk by faith any moment you want to, or you can be an unbeliever. Now, ain't nothing dumber than an unbelieving believer, is there? Guess why the Bible, did, the Bible doesn't call us Christians anywhere. Once in Antioch, guess what we're called in the Bible? Believers. Somebody tell me what a believer should do. Do we believe? And you got a chance every moment to believe. Let me tell you what the Bible says about believing or about faith. Romans 1.17 says this. The just, me and you, God's children, shall live by faith. My faith should carry my life. My faith should dictate everything I do. Now I'm not talking about I have faith in God. I'm talking about practicing faith to get everything I need and want. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says this. We live by faith and not by what we feel. My goodness. All right, what was Jesus? I've heard people say that Jesus spoke about money more than anything else. That's not true. I don't know where you get that from. I've heard, of course, fundamental preachers say he spoke about hail more than anything else. Not even close. You make my life hail. What's the number one thing Jesus talked about when he walked on the earth? What's the number one thing he was always seeking? Faith. He talked about faith and taught about faith more than anything else. What was he always, when the, the man in Mark chapter nine came to him and said, my son is, is in a mess. Can you help my son? And Jesus said, can you believe? If you can believe, everything's possible to him who believes. And the man didn't even have perfect faith in Jesus' help. How do you knew he didn't have perfect faith? 
Because he said, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Jesus said, that's all I needed right there. He said, if you have a grain of mustard seed faith, I'll do this for you. When the disciples were in the boat in Mark chapter four with him and a storm came up, he's asleep, which is where you belong in a storm. And they're freaking out and dying. We're going to die. And Jesus woke up and said to the wind, hold on, I got to teach them something. And it went. And Jesus said to them, come here, let's group hug. Not. Jesus said, where's your faith? All through the Bible, over and over, he talked about faith. We saw the blind man who came and Jesus said, do you believe I can do this? He was always looking for faith and he was always teaching faith. One time in Mark 11, he, he walked by a fig tree. This hunger had no figs on it. He said, I'll show you. Die, sucker. Well, he said, let no one eat fruit from you henceforth. Same thing as die, sucker. They came walking through town the next day and Peter said, look, that bush you talked ugly to is dead as a rake and dried up from the roots. And Jesus turned around and said to him, won't you try it? You do this. Mark eleven twenty one. Jesus said, you have faith in God. Whoever says to the, this mountain, and he wasn't talking about Mount Rushmore. He's talking about the mountain of problems in your lives. Talk to it and tell it, go jump in the ocean. And if you will believe in your heart, it'll do. He said, when you pray, when you pray, this is what Jesus said about praying. When you pray, try to get a feeling. Try, scrunch your face up, get real spooky, act real spiritual. Is that what he said? Jesus said, when you pray, believe that I'm going to give you what you ask for and you'll have it. You've got to wrestle with Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Either the man tells the truth or he's a con man. He tells the truth. But everything Jesus taught rises and falls on faith. In case you're wondering how everybody that was blessed by him got there, that's Hebrews chapter 11, which says, by faith, Abraham. By faith, Noah. By faith, why have we not made faith the primary focus of our lives? If it's the main thing Jesus taught on. And it always starts with faith. So what I always saw and taught about was in faith. Doing faith is the difference maker. It is the one thing that, listen, you can't earn the goodness of God. That's why, all right, let me test. Can I give you a test? Give you a test? You go to pray, your prayer time, and you've had a really, about a good week. You hadn't cussed one time in a week. You hadn't hit nobody. You hadn't thought, you hadn't been ugly. You hadn't, said, you hadn't even said nothing ugly in a week. That's a big week right there. And if you pray with more confidence on that week, on that day, than you do when you got mad and kicked the dog and fussed at your wife and cussed somebody out in park, if you pray with less confidence there, you're a legalist. You don't know faith. You're trying to earn what you get from him. Doing something to make an announcement. You can't earn a thing with him. Jesus paid it all. Jesus became a curse for us, Galatians 3.13. He became a curse for me dying on that tree so that the blessing of God could come upon me in Christ Jesus by faith. Have you ever wondered why at the end of our prayers we go in the strong name of Jesus? It's not a filler. It's not a like, see y'all later. Jesus is paying for what I'm asking for. Jesus said, I've given you my name. Literally, I've paid for every blessing of God in Christ Jesus, Ephesians chapter two. Now, when you pray, believe that I've paid for it. Isn't it good to follow a savior who says you don't have to earn it? Every other world religious leader says, if you earn it, I'll give it to you. Mine says, I'll pay for it on the cross and give it to you for free by faith. And it is by faith that we open heaven's windows over our lives. I want you to turn me to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers 13. All right, what began in Exodus culminates in Numbers.
Exodus, you got a cowboy who took care of sheep. He worked for his daddy-in-law. He was 80 years old. He'd screwed up bad in life. He was a convict. He was a felon. He was hiding. He was a fugitive from justice. He's hiding out in the wilderness and he's just taking care of sheep. And God meets him one day and he said, I have felt the pain of my children in bondage and I'm sending you and I'm going to get them out. And he sent Moses to get those people out. And they started a journey that should have taken about two weeks. 40 years later, they finally get there. Anybody ever felt like it took you 40 years to go two weeks worth? All this stuff has spiritual application to it. Finally, they get to the edge of the promised land. What started in Exodus chapter three culminates in Numbers 13. They finally get there through all this stuff and they're right there. They, they've, they've had it. They've, you know, the charismatics brought all those grapes back and said, it's big. You need to go in there. And they, they've seen how wonderful it is. They're excited about it. They're right there. They can, they can look over the hill and I mean, across the Jordan and see it. All they got to do is go in there and God's going to give them the greatest land possible. Still physical Israel to this day. And now they got to make one more choice. Not can we whip the armies. That was not their business. God can whip the armies. Not do we deserve it. Of course they didn't deserve it. If I was him, I'd have squashed them way back here at Capernaum. They only had to make one decision to have everything out there. What was the decision they had to make? Does this God tell the truth or does he not? They had to make a decision to believe God. And whether they believed him or not, put them in the promised land, as it does with me and you. I want you to read with me in Numbers chapter 13. Uh, they sent the spies in. They brought them back out. About verse uh, 27. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. This is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in that land are strong. The cities are fortified. It means they got forts around them. Uh, verse 29, the Amalekites live here and there, yada, yada. Verse 30, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession. We are able. All right, you got 12 men. Two of them are telling about it. All of a sudden, Caleb jumps up and steals the microphone off the platform and says, we got to go now. God has given us this. Come on, guys. We, God has given us this. Let's go right now. And man, he's getting them fired up, ready to go. But Dr. Smellfungus steps in. He just graduated from seminary. Verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able. If you look back in the first part of chapter 13, God said, I'm giving you this land. But for some reason, listen, these were good people. They were not wicked whoremongers. These were good people. They just didn't have the capacity to believe God. They were driven more by what they saw than what God said. And they said, well, we're not able. We can't do this. It's too much for us. This is way beyond what we can handle. Well, of course it was. God said, I'm going to give it to you. And now the people got to make a decision. We got a, the council is 10 to 2 here. And we're not able, so forth and so on, yada, yada. They got to make a decision. 12 men went in there. 12 came back out. Two said, we can go right now. 10 stood up and said, whoa, 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 whoa. God's been good to you. Now, let me tell you what they had up to now. He fed them for 40 years. The Bible said nobody was sick out of 2 million people. Nobody got sick for 40 years. Their clothes and shoes did not wear out. God had been good to them, but he wanted to be better to them. I'm having no big grapes is better than shoes that don't wear out. Milk and honey is a whole lot better than that, that bread that kept falling from heaven every day. He wanted more for them than that. They had to make a decision. And you got 10 guys who are saying, we need to be happy. I, I don't, I think that stuff passed away or whatever they told him. Said, you can't do this. Caleb said, come on guys, we got to go. They've scared them because of the people. 
And uh, let's read verse chapter 14. All the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and wept. The children of Israel complained against Moses. If we just died in Egypt, died in the wilderness. Now you want, you want to see unbelief. Read verse three with me. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? Right, right. God rescued you, broke you out of bondage, worked 10 miracles, killed their firstborn, parted the Red Sea, brought you through the wilderness right here so he could kill you right on the spot. They're not only unbelievers, they're dumb. He don't show you 40 years of miracles to get you to the best part and then say, kill him, right? Just go and kill him, kill him right now. See how goofed up you can be with this stuff. And you know what happened? They chose, they made a bad decision. He set before them life. All they had to say was like with Caleb, just say, yeah, we're outnumbered. I don't see how this can happen. I sure can't do it. But if God promised it for me, he's going to give it to me. That's all they had to do. They just had to make that choice. But they chose, he will not get us in there. And I don't believe we can do this. How many of them got in a promised land because of that decision? Zero. Every one of them died in the wilderness. Did, did they not get in there because God didn't want them to have it? It was he brought them out to bring them there. He was going to give it to them. It wasn't because he didn't want them to have it. It wasn't because he wasn't able. It was because they chose not to believe. And they did not believe what God said. And it cost them their inheritance. It cost them the best life. Are they in heaven today? Absolutely. They're his children. They went to heaven. But for four, he said, turn around, go back out in the wilderness and live your miserable life in the wilderness. 40 more years they wandered in the wilderness. Out of two million people, only two got in. Guess which two? Take a wild guess. Caleb and Joshua, who were the only two that said, I know, we're, I know they're bigger than we are. I know if God's not with us, we're fixing to get squashed like a bug, but God's going to give us that land. He said it's ours. Now let's go get it. And those two got in because of that attitude. How about this? Being unto them according to their faith. Dear ones, he's the same God today. Every promise in this book is yours. Now let me, you say, boy, those are great promises. You listen to what he says about me and you. We're under a new covenant based on better promises than what they had. I got stuff available to me they didn't have available to them. And I get it the same way they got it. I have to believe what God says. I had to choose to take the man at his word and I have to trust him that he tells the truth. This is always the, the, simply the way to life. Now, we're not going to look at it, but in Hebrews over in the New Covenant, it talks about it and it said, uh, be careful. How many, what should we be careful for? More than anything else, what are you scared of happening to you? What's the one thing that believers should be fearful for and be careful with? Well, let's look at it. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter three. Beware. Uh, you know, they tell you, to, they tell you young boys in seminary, beware of them hussies in them churches. Be coming on to you. It ain't good. You know, them Jezebels be putting on that perfume and trying to cozy up to you. You beware. You run. Run from them girls or boys. I don't know whoever comes on to you now. And they tell you to watch out for greed. You know, they tell you the three G's, gold, God, and girl. They'll get you in trouble. And, and uh, you know, watch it. Don't love money. You love money, you lose all. You, uh, that's all the stuff they tell you to watch out for. You know, these girls, they tell, the mamas tell them to watch out for cowboys, all that junk, you know, yada, yada. What does the Bible warn me above everything else to look out for? Hebrews chapter three. Well, look at this with me. Hebrews chapter three, verse 12 says this. Hebrews three twelve. Beware, brethren. Beware. Listen, when God says to me, beware, you know what beware means? I was a country preacher one time. I mean, way out in the country, like Tuesday sunshine didn't get there till Thursday. I mean, we live way out in the country. 
and you'd pull up around some trailer you was going to visit or something, there'd be a hand-painted sign on a board, beware of dog. Son, it wasn't a dog. It was dogomania is what it was. And that dog who ate gunpowder, he'd been trained, hide in the bushes till he gets away from his truck, then go after him. When I saw beware of dog, I wouldn't even crack the window. I knew better. God, listen, when my father tells me to beware, I'm gonna pay attention. And he said, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart. Just stop right there. How many of you want an evil heart? What do you think of when you think of evil heart? You know, lust, hatred, murder, greed, per, per, pervert. What do you think of an evil heart? The very thing we parade in our churches, God Almighty calls an evil heart. Read it with me. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of an evil heart of what? Unbelief. Doubting the promises of God. He said, listen, if you're going to be scared of something, if you're going to be aware of something, beware of not taking God at his word of the unbelief. Encourage one another day after day. And uh, verse 16, who having heard rebelled, was it not all those who came out of Egypt? We just read that led by Moses. With whom was he angry 40 years? Those whose corpses fell in the wilderness. To whom did he swear they couldn't enter his rest? They didn't obey him. All right, read verse 19 with me. We said they could not enter into the best God had because of what? Unbelief. I believe it was D.L. Moody said this, all the sins of the world, all the rapes, all the murders, all the thefts, everything rolled in one big black, big black ball is not as evil as the sin of unbelief. Let me, let me, let me, this is just my humble opinion from scripture. If a man loses his temper and cuts up and hollers a little bit, that's because you, you got flesh. I'm not justifying, I'm just saying you lose your temper. You know, if a man lusts after a woman he's not married to, you better behave. That, that means he's got lustful flesh. You know, if, if somebody wants something somebody else has got, that just means you've got a greedy appetite. I understand those temptations. But when we have unbelief, what are we saying? Not that I struggle. What are we saying? God doesn't tell the truth. God doesn't tell the truth. That's the last thing you ever want to be guilty of. I want you to look with me. Verse four, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, lest fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of. The greatest warning in the Bible is not against theft, child molestation. It's against not believing God's promises. It's against unbelief. And we see in, in numbers that the children couldn't get in because of that. So everything begins by faith. And all, it always starts with faith. Now, only after we become people of faith is everything else open to us. You can't have anything else. You can't even get saved without faith, can you? For by grace are you saved. Does anybody know it? Through faith. And that's, that's the gift of God. He gives you the faith if you choose to believe. It's not of your works. You didn't earn it, lest anybody should boast. I am saved because I trust Jesus to save my soul. I had nothing to do with it. I was lost, headed to hell. I heard the good news of the gospel that Jesus loves me, died for me. And if you'll put your faith in him, you can have eternal life. I said, sign me up. That's what I want right there. I started this thing by faith. I'm going to finish it by faith. All right, very quickly. Once we get to that point of faith and begin to grow our faith, what comes after faith? When he lists them in order, I always have a choice to believe or not. And then number two, I always have a choice to walk in divine love or not. And then we know that believers should love one another. Somebody say amen. By this, they'll know you're my disciples if you love one another. Now listen to me. Can I love by faith or do I have to get a feeling? If you're waiting for a feeling, guess what? You're going to slap somebody naked. 
I don't have to feel anything to love you. I know how love acts. I've read it in the Bible. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't remember when somebody screws up. I like that part right there. Love always believes the best in other people. I like that right there. Love doesn't have to have its own way and strut. Love doesn't puff up. I told you about blow toads. Love don't do that. It doesn't puff up. I know how love acts. I've learned it from God's word. I can walk in love by faith whether I feel it or not. If you cut me off in traffic and act ugly to me, I might feel like giving you the finger. You don't? Oh, I forgot. I forgot. Sorry about that. Dear ones, if I'm not going to be tempted, how can blessed is the man who endures temptation happen? Yeah, I'm, most of the time I just laugh at them and say, God bless them, help them get wherever they're going so they can check the Facebook or whatever they're doing. Once in a while somebody does something stupid, I just want to give them the finger. Find you another preacher. Find by me. I'd given it by the finger in 40 years. Guess why? By faith, I'm going to walk in love. I have a choice every moment of my life to choose love or choose flesh or choose the self-life. I can put me first or I can put Jesus first and you first. I have a choice every moment. I will live and die by the choices I make, not the feelings I have. You always have a choice. Number three, follows love. And this is the order there in the Bible. I have a choice to have joy in this life or to be a sourpuss. Let me make an announcement from scripture. Joy is a choice. If you're waiting on somebody to jack you up or your uh, next welfare check to come in or what they call them things, them checks, you know, if you're waiting on the next paycheck to have joy, that's a sad life right there. I don't have to wait for vacation to have joy. I can choose joy every day. It was, if it's not a choice, how could God Almighty say to me, rejoice in the Lord always? If, it, if it's not a choice, how can he say that to me? It was, I have a choice. Every moment of my life, I can choose joy. And a lot of times, y'all talk to yourselves. I mean, it's a sign of me being old. I do it a lot. But I, I will talk to myself before I get out of bed. And I'll tell myself, Seth, don't you get out of this bed or you're happy. And I just say, I'm not going to do it. Oh, I don't feel happy. Sometimes my back hurts. And sometimes I know I got to face you today. I, I don't care. <laughs> the deal is, I have, it is a choice to rejoice and celebrate his goodness. I can do it anytime I want to. Joy is a choice that we have. And I can always choose it. Matter of fact, the Bible says this. 2 Timothy 1, 6. Stir up the gift of God that is in you. Then was Jesus is pure joy. The Holy Spirit is pure joy. And he's in here. So how can I have the joy of Jesus in here and me feel like crap? Okay, that's why we're here tonight, trying to help you. The Bible said, stir up the gift of God that's within you. Quit waiting on something to happen. God put the ball in your court, doc. I set before you life. Choose it. I'd have told you about jump starting. I grew up, my dad had a Studebaker pickup truck and we had to push it to get it cranked half the time. It's called jump starting. I don't think you can do it in modern cars today. I had to jump start that thing. Mom would get in there and turn the switch on. We youngins would get out the back and push it. She'd pop the clutch and it'd get going. Then we youngins would pile in the back and go up to the meat market or the corner store or something. The Bible said jump start your joy. I tell you, if you want to, if you want to have joy, just get up first thing in the morning and turn the radio on. Turn the news on first thing. First thing, no wonder you need medication. You, you, garbage in, garbage out. Can I get a witness? Life in, life out. And I can start out, let me tell you, I can start out singing, what a friend we have in Jesus and not feel nothing. 
this is the difference in life and death. This is called faith. Well, I don't feel nothing now, but he said he'd be there. He said he'd come. All my sins and griefs to bear. Not here yet. I'm going to sing all nine verses whether he shows up or not. You know what that's called? Faith. And sometimes within a few words, my heart gets light and the joy just comes in, just bubbles up. Sometimes I have to go all the way to chapter three. Excuse me, verse three. It don't matter to me. I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. You can choose joy anytime you want to. It, it is a choice, dear ones. This is, you know what's so good about this? I've been taught I just have to wait for something to happen to me and whatever happens to me happens. Hogwash. There's no faith in that. I get to choose whether I walk in love, joy, or faith or not. All right, number three follows. Here, here, by the way, a life of faith that brings me to true love, walking in love, brings joy into my life. Number four, peace. This is life, dear ones. This is the best life you can have. Now, let me tell you what the greatest gifts Jesus gave you. We'll, I'll just give you the verse. You can look it up later if you want to. John 15, 27, Jesus said this. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't you ever be worried. Don't you ever be afraid. Think about it. What would a life like that be? Where you, you just, worry was gone. You have no worry. You have no fears. Do you know what it'd be like if we didn't fear what other people thought about us? Can you imagine how good it'd be if we didn't fear failing? What if all the fear was taken out? Do you think Jesus walked around scared he was going to mess up? What if I pray for him nothing happened? Do you think he walked around like that? Do you think Jesus was nervous about what they talked about, what they said about him? Jesus was, a, he's the freest man that ever lived. He gave it to you. My peace I give unto you. But dear ones, let me tell you something. Peace is a choice. You don't wait. If I get that, oh, if I can get that feeling. Why are you waiting on a feeling he told you to make a choice? I can choose peace and I can make a decision about peace. I can choose it over fear. Dear ones, Talk to fear and quit listening to how you feel. I can talk to worry and say, not today, sucker. Listen to me. The God who told me in Philippians 4 to never worry about anything would never worry me about anything. He's not going to contradict his word. You know what a rich life is? Could you imagine this? A life that's free from worry and fear and anxiety and anger. That's a rich life right there. That's living right there. And this thing about peace, now I want to show you something. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Look at the order. Do you remember me telling you that you have a choice whether to walk in love or not? There's sometimes the Holy Spirit comes on me and I feel so tenderhearted and so mushy. I love everybody on the planet except the devil. I feel sympathy for people. I just love people. I care so much about them. I thought the Holy Spirit of God just comes on me and there's this tender love. I just weep over people. And other time, I'm not sure who comes over me, but I could kick your butt till your nose bleeds. Who cares how I feel? I'm not going to live by how I feel. I'm going to walk by faith. And I'm going to do what love says when I feel it, and I'm going to do it when I don't feel it. Now, don't you look at what the Bible says. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. Make sure it's verse 22. Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit. I want you to look at the first three on there. Love, joy, peace. Listen to me. It's got to be in that order. It's got to be in that order. A lot of people that have no joy in their lives and they have no peace and they live all toe up, it goes back to number one. Till you choose to walk in love, you're not going to have the joy and the peace. Because joy and peace follow the love decision. When you choose to walk in love, all right, let me, let's just, let's do a test. Let's do a test. 
when you're really kind to somebody and good to somebody and you show them mercy and you bless them, doesn't that bring a joy and a peace inside of you? Hope it does. How about when you're, when you're hateful to somebody and you're ugly to them and you just snap at them? Don't that make you feel good on the inside? Don't you just get the sweetest feeling on the inside when you're hateful to somebody? No. Dear ones, joy and peace follow up. Secular psychiatrists are wondering why we've lost our joy in this nation. We've lost our love in this nation. When you stop walking in love, you lose the joy that follows the love of God. And why have we lost our peace in this nation? Why is everybody so toe up? Are we walking in love in this nation? Are we walking in selfishness? You know, the fruit of the Spirit is not selfishness. It's the love of God, and I choose that, which walks in and brings the joy and peace in there. I get to make these, I just all the time, dear ones, he set before me life and death. I'm choosing life. I'm choosing life to love by faith and walk by faith and live by faith. Let me give you two more. Number five is hope. I hear over and over that people are losing hope in this nation. And I want to say, I'm trying not to be a, well, I guess I'll just be like Jesus and just ask him, what happened to your God? Is the mess going on around you bigger than the God that's inside of you? I thought greater was he that's, than he that's got hold of this world right now. There was darkness. Let me make an announcement in case you're, in case you're nervous about the future. Darkness is going to cover the earth. Deep darkness to people. But the glory of the Lord is going to be on those who choose to walk with him. And we're going to have light right in the middle of darkness. And not only that, the latter days are going to be better than the former days. And what you're going to see is people who walk by faith in God and trust him and follow him. They're going to have the time of their lives on this planet. That's how come they can be light in the darkness. The hope is, you know, what hope is God is fixing to do something good for me. My family's going to do great. It's going to be better than it's ever been. I'm going to get a better job than I've ever had. God's working miracles in my life. That's hope. Guess where it comes from? Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope, tell me what my God does. He puts hope in people's hearts. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace and believing and believing, believing that you might be full of hope. Who does not want to be full of hope? Who doesn't want to look forward to tomorrow and be excited about tomorrow? This is what God's doing in people's lives. Let me tell you what this book is right here. Hebrew, Romans chapter 15, verse four says this. The things that were written were written for our encouragement that we might have hope. This is a book of hope. You get in this book and you read, yes, yeah, tough, but look what he did for them. Look what he said he'd do right there. Look what he did for them. Praise God. It is no secret what he can do, what he did for them. He'll do for you. This book is designed to build your hope up and to cause you to say, watch this. You say, boy, but you just don't understand. No, you don't believe. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it's not going to come near me because I've set my love upon him and he will deliver me. Then as I'm telling you, these are the days where he's going to shine with people that will believe. Let me give you a great verse. Turn with me to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. I, I apologize. So I should have talked more on this through the years. Still trying to get, I'm a recovering Pharisee. I'm still trying to get that mess out of me. Pharisees Anonymous. Except if we ain't very anonymous, you can spot us a mile away. <laughs> trying to get that mess out of me. Doing what we preach, try to do better, try to do better. We should be preaching, believe God, believe God. We should be preaching, have faith in God, like Jesus did. I want to show you this. I love Psalm 27 is one of the most encouraging verses. Talks about the Lord's my light, yada yada, and all that. But I want you to see, once again, where he puts it in front of me, me. 
And I love these, but you need to memorize this verse. Mark this and memorize it. Verse 13, I would have lost heart. What's lost heart mean in the Bible? God discouraged, thrown in the towel, unless I had, what? Believed, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Can you see that encouragement comes from making a decision to do what? God said he's going to do good for me and I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Now, let me, let me give an illustration. I'm getting older. You know what happens in America when you get older? Get your ARP card, get you some plaid shorts, go to Biscuitville, all that stuff. Sit around there with them old men and you're trying to find something to do so you play golf till you're tired of that. And you, you, know, you just get creakier and creakier and your bursitis gets on top of your arthritis and then oh, yada yada and then get your Medicaid. Yada yada and you just sort of wind down this sucky life. And them telling you it's the golden years, it's rust, it ain't gold. You're just winding down the whole time. It's just terrible, you know. Waiting for you to croak, put you in a nursing home, diaper and all that mess. Is that scriptural? Is that scriptural? In my old age, I will be fresh and flourishing, strong and green and still bearing fruit. That's what this book says right here. I mean, this book says right here. Matter of fact, Caleb said it. I am as strong at 85 as I was at 40. Moses was 120. His strength did not diminish. His eyes didn't grow dim. I don't know if I want to do that or not. 120 is a long time to hang around here. I do want to go see Jesus for that. But dude, why do we believe this junk? Why don't we believe this good stuff? Let's believe what the book says. You know why people are losing heart today? Read it again, Psalm 27, 13. Why are people discouraged today? I would have lost heart and been discouraged unless I had believed I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God's going to bless me. He's going to bless my family. I praise him every day for the tremendous blessing that's on my children, every single one of them. Grandchildren, I don't have none yet. Praying over them. My church will do well. I don't give a flying gnat. This is probably good preaching, but it's good truth. I don't give a flying gnat's rear in what I see with my eye or feel in my emotions. God's word is true. That's called walking by faith and not by sight, emotions, feeling. Okay, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. I just feel, I just feel. Listen to me. Stop feeling yourself. Stop feeling yourself. And start reading what your father has said. Take the man at his word. If he can't do everything he said in this book, he can't get you into heaven when you croak. But he can do it. And it all begins, what does verse 13 say again? I got to make a decision to believe. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm throwing verse 14 for free. It's good. Wait on the Lord. And it doesn't mean just sit down and do nothing. Wait in faith on the Lord. Be of good courage. He will strengthen your heart. You get back to waiting on the Lord and trusting Him. And that, that all comes under hope, which beats a fire to discouragement. Let me quit with one more real quick. Number, now, number six, number one is faith. A believer's life is a life of faith. It's a life of love. It's a life of joy. It's a life of peace, and it should be characterized by hope. The sixth one is gratitude and celebration. Gratitude and celebration. Our lives should be just, we should be the most thankful people on earth, constantly grateful for what he's done. That's why the Bible said rejoice in the Lord always. Listen to me. You have a choice every moment. As I told you, when I wake up in the morning, I start celebrating first thing. A new angel comes and says, arise, my love. None of that. Usually my kidneys are saying, arise, my love. Is what they're saying. I feel like crap in most mornings. Who cares? God is still God. His word is still true. And I got to get to the glory place. 
He sets before me a choice every morning. What are you going to do, son? Let me tell you something. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. It's what Lamentation says. I got to make a decision every day. All right, Philippians 4, 4 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I want, well, we'll look at it. Let me quote it. Psalm 34, verse one says this. I will bless the Lord when everything's hunky-dory. I will bless the Lord when everybody around me is blessing him. No, no, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continue to be in my mouth. You're not going to make it until you learn how to praise when you feel like crap. I hate to be using the word crap a lot tonight, but you understand what I'm saying. You're not going to make it until you can start celebrating his goodness when everything's going wrong. Faith doesn't wait to see good things happen. Faith celebrates good things to happen. Here's the greatest picture of it in the Bible, I think. We're going to look at Acts chapter 16. Man was told by God, go over and preach. He went and preached. They grabbed him, beat the snot out of him, tied him to a whipping post, hit him 39 times on his back with a whip, put him in a stinking sewer of a prison. With, I've seen the floor, rough rock floors, sat him in there, stuck his feet out in front of him in wooden stocks, beat the snot out of him. He can't lay back. He's in raw sewage plus those open wounds. You think he felt hunky-dory? And he's in the dark. The jailer had to call for a light. Do you think he felt sweet? That man was hurting. Don't you? you ain't never been whooped like that. that man was hurting. And he'd just been abused by everybody. All he's trying to do is help people and he got, got the tar beat out of him. And now he's going to be tried. I tell you, you know what he felt like? You know what he felt like? Verse 25 says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. That was a man, that's the man who wrote most of this. That's, that's a man of faith when he said, I, I obey God and this is what I get. Where's he at now? Man, I'm hurting so bad. It stinks in here. Looks like we're going to get killed. How great thou art. He just started singing and praising God. Dear ones, till you can praise him when you feel terrible. Faith praises him till it feels terrible. But now here's the great lesson right there. After he started praising God, what happened? Elvis Presley wrote a song about that, Jailhouse Rock. He started praising God and the prison started shaking. And within just a few moments, their chains fell off. The jailer had a changed attitude. The jailer got saved. Their stripes got healed and they got fed good and they got turned loose. If you wait till good things to happen, you're going to stay in prison until Jesus gets back. You faith your way out of it. When everything's wrong, you praise God. When your kids go off the deep end, you stand and you declare, God is pursuing my children. If a man had a hundred sheep and lost one, he'd go after him. He said that he's after him. Not only that, all my children are going to be taught of the Lord and great will be the peace of those children. You don't go by what you see or what you feel. Tell your emotions to shut up. Let the word speak louder. This is called walking by faith. And there's, all right, let me make a statement. See if you agree with me. Every one of your life, I'm going to tell you two things about every life in here. There is always something in your life to complain about. Don't be spiritual on me. How many of you got something you could complain about right now? Okay, we all got something to complain about. Every person's got something you can be angry about. Oh, come on. You're on the street corner out there doing it. Say it in here. Everybody's got something they can grumble about. Everybody's got something they can sulk or be depressed about. Everybody all the time. You got that in your life all the time. But you listen to me. Every moment of your life, you got something you can be thankful for. Every moment of your life, you got something you can be celebrating. I mean, I was just going to hell and going to burn forever. Pardon me. God set his affection on me. He's shown me kindness. Every moment of your life, I set before you life and death. 
Doing I can choose to complain and whine and moan and be mad because somebody did something to me, or I can choose to rear back and celebrate that my name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus' smile is on me. His hand's on me. The angels are backing me up and my life's going to get better and better. That's, a, that's an every moment choice. Every moment. You can celebrate and praise His name and carry on. So my life sucks. You put it there. I said before you life and death, choose, choose, choose. And you choose by faith whether you're going to celebrate or whine or moan. I choose. If I choose number one, I can choose the other five. If I'll choose faith. All right. I'm going to quit by saying this to you. If you choose to walk by faith and, and live this great life, you're going to be going against the tide. You're going to be swimming upstream and all the other dead fish is going to be bopping you on the way down. <laughs> Even the Christians. Christians in America act more like pagans than they do Jesus these days. Hey, that's okay. That's all right, because somebody should write a song that goes like this. I have decided to follow Jesus. And put a verse in it that says this, though none go with me, still I will follow. We need to make up our minds. And you're going against the tide. I listened to what Jesus said about this. Broad is the road that leads to destruction and as many on it. That's not just talking about hell either. That's talking about a miserable life. Narrow is the road that leads to life and there's few that find it. Get on it anyway. Guess what that road's called? Faith. Faith is the highway that takes me where it'll get me. Faith will get me into heaven one day. And faith will get heaven into me in this life too right here. I love this kind of stuff. This is so much fun to walk like this. I thoroughly enjoy this thing. All right, I've got to quit. I'm going to quote it again. I want you to always remember Deuteronomy 30, 19. I call heaven and earth against you as a witness against you. I have set before you life and death. It's your choice. Choose life, son. Choose life, sweetheart. Choose life that it might be well with you and your descendants. You cling to the Lord your God that you might live well and that you might get into the land he's given you. Choice every moment. I, I, let me tell you why I love this stuff. It, the ball is in my court. I've never been in a mess I couldn't praise my way out of. Now, sometimes I can get out pretty quick. It don't take but about two verses of amazing grace and I'm out there. But to be honest with you, I want to quit by saying that there's times I've been in some bad holes. I've been in some bad holes for the last two years. I've had more junk happen in the last two years than I have in the previous 30s. Who gives a rip? Jesus is who he says he is, and that book is what it says it is. And I, I, <laughs> my dream is to have the demon, that the chief demon, there's several assigned to me, is to have the chief demon that's been assigned to me just call headquarters and say, could I have a replacement? I can't take this no more. He's praising my head off. He's I got bruises all over me. He just sleeps singing and hollering. Everything we do, he wakes up first thing in the morning, starts singing, talking about how good it is to be alive. This is going to be the greatest day of his life. I'm sick of it. Send me the Methodist preacher. Get somebody else down here to fuss with him. What a friend we have in Jesus. I mean, it's there. Guess who he's waiting on? It's in my court. Lord Jesus, I just, I want to take a minute and pray and tell you I love you and thank you for your goodness and grace. Oh, as the song says, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we don't turn around and say, Father, this is yours. It's not mine. I give it to you. Thank you for a savior. You didn't just save me from eternal hell and give me eternal life. You gave me abundant life in this life. And I get everything you promised the same way I got into heaven. I have to believe what you said and lay hold of it by faith. Thank you. I pray for every person in this room. I love my church. I want them to have the best 
I personally, I love these days in the nation. Darkness has come over the land. It's demonic darkness. Dear Jesus, where does the light shine brighter? The darker the night, the brighter your light. What an opportunity we have to say, watch what Jesus can do. Watch this life right here, what he can do. I thank you and praise you that your word will never fail and faith in your word will always work. And I praise you for another chance to prove that your word works by faith. I trust you for that. Ignite in people's hearts that you have smiled at them and said, I give you a choice. Now choose life, son. Choose life, sweetheart. Trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified in our lives. Yes, sir. In his precious name we pray. Amen.